Very good. All right, let's uh, let me tell you what we're going to do, and then we're opening prayer. And um, uh, the uh, I begin a new sermon series Sunday. I'll start on Sunday. Uh, new sermon entitled "Angelology" as we look at the angels, what they're all about. What I thought I would do in here is uh, anytime I, I teach a series like that, I do a lot of study and a lot of stuff never makes it. Uh, makes it to uh, to the platform because I'm going to go and preach a specific passage. You might hear some of this stuff just mentioned, and you can you can lean over to your wife or something like that, and you go, "Hey, and by the way, let me tell you this and this and this about angels." Don't tell her you got it from me in here. She'll just think you're that much smarter. Uh, but what I thought I would do is I, I would take in here and just over the next couple of weeks, kind of walk you through the doctrine of angels. Uh, you know, if you look at systematic theology, if you look at theology and the different doctrines. You can look at the doctrine of God, doctrine of the Holy Spirit, doctrine of Jesus Christ, doctrine of Scripture, doctrine of salvation. If you take all of those down in that list uh, of 10 major categories would be the doctrine of the spirit world. Does that make sense? The, the immaterial world, the spirit beings. We know there are angels and fallen angels. We'll talk a little bit about that today. But So what I thought I would do uh, starting today is just kind of walk you through a systematic doctrine of Scripture uh, on angels, uh, tell you a little bit about angels, and uh, so you can walk away every week knowing a little bit more about angels. And then if I mention something like this Sunday, uh, one of the things that I'll point it out, I'll probably make quick reference to it, and you'll go, okay, uh, that's one of the three named angels in the Bible. Uh, I, I don't know if any, how many of you could tell me who the three named angels in the Bible are. Uh, some of you might go, okay, I can think of one of them. Well, I'm going to tell you all three of them today. I'll tell you a little bit about their background, their history, who they were. But then Sunday, when I mention one of them, you can lean over to your wife and say, you know, there are only three mentioned by name in Scripture. And uh, she'll look at you and go, whoa. And uh, then uh, she'll go, you are going to Bible study on Tuesday morning. And she might look at you and say, it's not working much, but at least you're listening. So, uh, all right, let me open this in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these guys. Uh, again, God, uh, as a pastor, I hate to talk about these things. Uh, I, I hate to talk about uh, not the things of Scripture, but the things of this world, this sinful, evil world, and it seems to get, be getting all the more so. And, uh, but the truth is, Scripture says there's no uh, containment of sin. Uh, sin is like a snare for us individually, that the more we fight and, and battle, the more it entangles us and, and, and snares us and ultimately chokes us out and kills us. But also, the more sin and evil and Satan just overtakes our mind and our heart, uh, the more we have a tendency to expose others to our evil. And that's what we're seeing today in uh, so many of the, uh, the difficult situations. So, God, it's not something we like to talk about, but at the same time as a pastor, as a shepherd, uh, part, of, uh, part of our call as a staff and my call as a pastor is to make sure that our sheep are as protected as can be. But our number one goal, is, as Eric even mentioned just a few minutes ago, is to go share the gospel, is to go and to tell, because that is the only answer. And so that's what this season is about, that a God loved us so much, not because we were perfect, but because we were imperfect, not because we were sinless, but because we were sinful, not because the world was evil, but because the world was good. You sent your one and only Son, 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Angels, uh, when we look at angels, we're talking about one of the ten major doctrines. Doctrine of this, doctrine of that, uh, of angels. Uh, it's probably also one that is not talked about a lot uh, when it comes to the church. And the reason why it's not talked about a lot is some people are afraid uh, to, uh, uh, to go over the top with angels. And, and, you know, and we hear the idea of guarding angels. But it's interesting, while the church sometimes shrinks back, uh, from talking about angels and the doctrine of angels, the world doesn't. The lost doesn't. The secular doesn't. Uh, if you look, probably, um, if, you, if you were to look at uh, songs, probably one in every 15 secular songs mention angel, mentions angels or an angel somehow, some way. Or it says you're an angel or you're like an angel. So I want you to know, secular world, on the cover of Time Magazine and Newsweek and all of those throughout the years, uh, angels and the study of angels and what secular idea of angels has, always, has been on the front cover. So while the church sometimes has, has pulled back from talking about angels, uh, secular culture doesn't. Everybody likes the idea of, their, of, 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 of a guardian angel, right? We all like the idea of a guardian angel. We all like the idea of, uh, of our child being watched over by an angel. Or uh, sometimes mystically, uh, we, we think if someone dies, uh, they become like an angel or they become an angel. And so uh, that's, that's, that's one of the things we're going to talk about today is that where do angels come from? When were they created? Who created them? Who are they created for? And what do they do? And so for the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to kind of navigate through all those things. Now, when it comes to uh, the idea of angels and the discussion of angels, like I said, the church doesn't talk about it much. And part of the reason the church doesn't talk about it much is angels were created. And when you, talk, when you look in Scripture and you look at specific doctrines, what is, whether it's the doctrine of Trinity, you can oftentimes see that Scripture explicitly teaches on a certain subject matter. But interestingly enough, when you look at angels, angels are never taught about in scriptures. Anytime you hear about angels or see the idea of angels, they are actually part of the story explaining something else about God's creation. Does that make sense? They are messengers. They are sent as ministering spirits. That's one of the reasons why the church doesn't focus on them. Because if you look at Jesus, I can take you to Philippians chapter 2 and, and give you, man, just boom, boom, Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus is. I can go to Colossians 1, Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus. I can go to John 1, Jesus is. I can go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, God is, God is. Does that make sense? We can look at passages that tell us about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, scripture is. You really don't ever see that uh, in um, Scripture about angels. Usually angels are explaining God's story to people. They are communicating. That's what we're going to see several times. What do we see when the shepherds are out in the field? The angels show up, what, and talk about themselves? No. They're talking about God's plan, right? So that's why it is. If you look at, uh, you know, the angel shows up to Zechariah and the angel shows up to Mary, the angel in the Old Testament, they show up to protect Israel. They're always doing something for God. So that's one of the reasons you don't hear angels taught about systematically is because usually when angels show up, the story isn't about them, it's God's story. Does that make sense? And that's why we also want to be careful even with us. We want to make sure that we remember it's not about us. Life is not about us, it's about God. 
and what God would have us do. And so uh, let me just kind of give you a couple of um, uh, ideas. Let me give you a couple of opening thoughts, two opening thoughts on angels as we just begin to walk through. Uh, number one, uh, if you look at uh, the word angel, whether it's Hebrew or whether it's English, uh, angels are mentioned in 196 ver- six verses in the Bible. So it's not that they're not mentioned at all. 196 times and 196 verses in the Bible, angels are talked about. Uh, 103 times in the Old Testament, 93 times in the New Testament. Uh, Angels are mentioned in 34 of the books in the Bible. 34 separate books in the Bible, angels are actually mentioned. Um, So again, it's not that they're not talked about, but they're usually not the headline in the story. When the angel showed up in the sky and talked to the shepherds, or they, they uh, infer, are inferred to have spoken to the magi, they're not the story. Does that make sense? We, we love the pictures of the story is the birth of Jesus Christ. And so they're always pointing to something else. Let me give you a simple definition, and you don't, you're not going to be able to write this down, but you can make your own uh, definition up. Let me give you a simple definition of, uh, of angels. Angels are spiritual beings created by God to serve God though created higher than man. They are higher than us, by the way. I want you to know, in in the pecking order, they are created and they are higher than us. Um, The good angels uh, have remained obedient to Christ, while others are what we refer to as fallen angels. They disobeyed and fell from their holy position in following God uh, and now stand even today uh, in active uh, opposition to the work of God and His plans. Uh, So you still today have good angels... And you have bad angels. You have unfallen angels and fallen angels, each trying to fulfill a mission of their leader, whether it's God or whether it's Satan. Now, at the end of the day, God is going to bind up and uh, deal with all the fallen angels. But today, they are active to a certain extent uh, in, uh, in this world, and so are the unfallen angels as well. Uh, some general terms that you'll run across is uh, those verses, Just uh, this is just by way of introduction. Sometimes in Scripture you'll hear them just called angels. You'll, you'll just hear them called angels. You can also look in other places uh, where they're called holy ones, all right? Holy ones. They'll call the holy ones of God or, or, or the holy host of God. Uh, when, it, when you're hearing holy ones, uh, when, it, when you see it in the Old Testament in particular in several different places, you can see them in Psalm 89, uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, these are angels who have remained true and faithful to God. They are the unfallen. They would be the good angels. Um, you'll oftentimes, this particularly in the Old Testament, again, back in Psalms and 1 Samuel and Isaiah 31, you will hear them called host. And you've heard the idea of heavenly host. Uh, they're, they're talking about angels there. When the heavenly host did this and the heavenly host uh, did that, uh, uh, it, it talks about the heavenly host, the host or the armies of God. It's talking about the host of angels. God has angels that are, that are like uh, the armies of God, and they're there and they're active. There are some difficult terms, and this is, let me kind of, you might want to write this down. These are the ones that confuse people. Um, sometimes angels are referred to as sons of God. Okay, sometimes they're referred to as sons of God. Now, when you hear this, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Sometimes when you hear the word sons of God, it is referring to the unfallen angels. But other times it's referring to to the fallen angels. 
So that's a term. That's why it's a difficult term. Because if you're reading and you've read the word sons of God, sons of God, and you know, okay, this is God's angels, this is God's angel, then all of a sudden you go to uh, an account in Genesis 6 where it talks about the sons of God came down and did this and had relations with these people. You're like, whoa, whoa, I thought those were, I thought angels were good. So that's where, that is one of the difficult terms that sometimes you read a lot of times, sons of God, it's referring to the good angels, the, the unfallen angels. Other times it's, it's, fallen, it's referring to uh, fallen angels. Another term that can be difficult, this is a positive one, that, but you'll see it used uh, in a very specific and then a more general way, is um, the angel of the Lord. How many of you all have heard that phrase? The angel of the Lord. All right. The key to that phrase sometimes and most of the time in the Old Testament, when we are talking about the angel of the Lord, it is what we would call a theophany. If, you, if you're taking notes, it's theophany, theo, God, all right, a visitation or a, a visible manifestation of God, a theophany. Probably more specifically in the Old Testament, it's a Christophany. That means a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. That means Christ, it wasn't just an angel, it was Christ who showed up in the Old Testament. Now, you say, how do we know that? Well, uh, if you look at the term, the angel of the God, the, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, it's the definite article. The, the angel of the Lord. So that is a Christophany. In other words, this is Christ appearing in the Old Testament. Now, so this means Christ showed up in, in different seasons and different times. You'll see that in Genesis 16, uh, Genesis 21, uh, Genesis 22, Genesis 31, Exodus 3, um, uh, Judges chapter 2, Judges chapter 5, Judges chapter 6, 2 Samuel 2, Zechariah 1. Uh, then you see Zechariah 3, Zechariah 12. Now, that's in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, you will see the phrase angel of the Lord after Christ is born. That is probably more just a general angel. You say, what's the difference? It's the definite article. It's the definite article. You say, why? Here's your question. Why would pre-incarnate appearances of Christ cease after the birth of Christ? Huh? He showed up. That's exactly right. See, if you have Christ showing up in different spaces and different places in the Old Testament to Moses and, uh, you know, and, and to Samuel, if you have the pre-incarnate Christ, and then all of a sudden Christ is born, you don't need the angel of the Lord to show up because he's already made his appearance, right? Now he's gone to heaven, and who has he sent to be with us? The Holy Spirit. So we have His presence. We don't need Him to show up. So when you look in the New Testament and you look at like Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 and you look at uh, Acts chapter 5 in the New Testament where that, the phrase angel, uh, angel of the Lord is mentioned but no definite article. It's talking about just probably just angels of the Lord. Does that make sense? So angel of the Lord can be uh, difficult. If you look at the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, you can know that is a pre-incarnate 
um, uh, Christ who has showed up and speaking into people's lives. All right, let me give you kind of the origin of the angels. This is where we'll start jumping into Scripture here. Origin of the angels, um, they were created. All right, you always want to know they were created beings. Uh, angels are created beings, and they are created to worship their creator. If you have your Bibles open, if you want to switch there, uh, Psalm 148, verse 1 to 5. Uh, they were created, Psalm 148, verses 1 to 5. I'm just going to start reading. Uh, if you can get there by the time I get to verse 5, verse 5 is the one I want to point your attention to, okay? Angels are created, if you want to just write that down. Uh, and they were created to worship God. It says in verse 1, uh, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His heavenly host. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all the shining stars. Praise Him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command, they were created. All right? So what does that psalm say? Just like the stars were created, the sun and the moon and the waters and the sky and the air and the birds and the animals were created, angels were created. How many of you understand that? All right? They were all created by God. So that's the first thing you need to know about. Um, angels are spirit. All right, angels are spirit. They don't have flesh. Um, if you go back to Genesis and the account of the sons of God, remember that's one of those difficult terms that could be a fallen or unfallen, uh, unfallen angel where they went down, they inhabited men, and they procreated and stuff like that. We can go into a whole interesting thing about that uh, and, and what the different views are on that. But in their creation, angels were created in an immaterial or without a body. Does that make sense? They are spirit beings. Uh, they are uh, spirit beings in, in life. John chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, they are created. You know, it's interesting if you look at angels. They are, people, humans, are created in the image of God. It never says that about angels. But it says they were somewhat created like God and that, that part of likeness is they are created as other, other spirit beings. What did Jesus say in John chapter 4, verse 24? He says, God is spirit. So God's spirit. God's not flesh. Uh, you say, well, why would God create angels um, to show up to people in the Old Testament? Well, let me ask you a question. If God showed up to us, I mean, God showed up to us right now, what would happen? We would die. Right? What happened in the Old Testament? Remember Moses, man, when he just caught a, when he just saw the smoke, he was down. Right? But God created angels to speak to us and to speak to his people. That's why they were always sitting, delivering messages and sending messages to us. That's why when Jesus, it says he humbled himself, that's the kenosis passage in Philippians 2. In other words, he shielded us from some of God's glory when he showed up and walked. He was fully God, fully man. He's still fully God and fully man, Jesus was. But when he showed up here on this earth, he didn't show up in all of God's glory. So part of the reason why God created angels is so they could speak to us and we wouldn't die. All right? So people in the Old Testament could see an angel, have communications with an angel, and not die. So he was kind of an intermediate state. So they were created as spirits. So first of all, they're created. They're created by the Creator. They are spirit. That thirdly, you might want to write this down. Angels were created before the world was created. 
Okay, we're not looking at the seventh day. We're not looking at between day three and day four. Uh, I believe scripture teaches us that angels were created before the world was created. You say, where do you see that? Uh, if you go to Job chapter 38, verse four to seven, this is God talking to Joseph, Job. And God says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? This is God talking to Job, okay? So Job has gone through his trials and travails. Uh, he's gone through his difficulties. None of us would like to be in the station that Job was in, okay? It's, let's don't be too hard on Job. Uh, but if you can imagine, Job is sitting there going, woe is me, why me? And, and then his buddies, his friends show up. And how many of you remember how helpful his friends were? Anybody have any friends like that? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. That, we don't point. He's he's right in. He's in the room. Um, but Job's friends show up, and make things worse. What do they do? So here, you've lost everything. You've lost your your job. You've lost your family. You've lost your health. And your buddies walk up and go, "Dude, you look a mess." And they look and say, "What happened?" And he goes, "I don't know." And and his friends remember his friends looked at him and said, "What did you do?" And he goes, I didn't do anything. And they go, no, 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 Job, tell the truth, shame the devil. What was your sin? And they go, I didn't do anything. And he goes, no, come on, Job. No one loses everything you lost unless you are hiding some amazing sin. And remember how that is. So Job finds no comfort among his friends. And so Job finally just begins to moan. And he does what you and I would do. I, I do it over a stubbed toe. Begin to, begin to cry out to God. Begin to say, God, why me? Why me? Why me? And God, how could you do this? And God, how can you do this? And don't we sometimes do that? God gives us the ability to create wealth. We make wealth. We lose a bit of that wealth. We blame God, right? How much did we thank Him before we created it? How much did we return it? We, we have our health. We never thank God for our health, but when we get unhealthy, what do we do? We pray for God to give us health again. And we blame God when He doesn't give us health again. Well, how much did we thank God for the health? How much did we serve God for when we did have health? I, I've, I've had many, many a people... This is just the nature of, uh, of the ministry. I've had many a people that have been just around the church, near the church, to attend the church, uh, not available to the church, but had lots of health. You go visit them in the hospital, things look bleak. bleak thank you. Pastor, if you'll pray with me that I'll get over this, I'll serve God. And don't you kind of wonder, well, why didn't we do that before, Right. Why didn't we do that before? God, I'll, I'll start giving. Uh, Pastor, I'll start giving. I'll start serving. I'll look for, man, you tell me what you want me to do at the church. Just pray with me. What are they doing? beginning to do? They're beginning to bargain. So now God's uh, speaking back. He says, all right, Job, you want to have a little dialogue? So God looks at Job and he says, listen, where were you when I laid the, laid the earth's foundations? He says, tell me, Job. He says, if you understand this. He says, uh, who marked off the dimensions? He says, surely, Job, you know. He says, tell me, what are the dimensions of the universe? Tell me about it. Tell me about everything. And he goes, who stretched out the measuring line across it? And he goes, or where were its, foots, uh, uh, where were its footing set or who laid the cornerstone? Here's verse 7. Here's what you want to see. While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. What is he saying? The angels was there, were there before the earth was created and the angels shouted for joy. So I would say from 30, uh, Job chapter 38 that the angels were, were created before creation of the earth. Does that make sense? So when were they created? They were here. 
because as God created, as God spoke into the world into existence, the angels cheered, the angels sang, said, wow. You know, can you imagine them sitting back there going, wow. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That was pretty awesome. So uh, that's what I would go with. Um, let me give you a little what they're not. Uh, angels are not dead humans. Okay? Angels are, and, and this is the time of year, it's always really good. Uh, this is the time of year where what, what are you going to see on your precious moments? You probably have some, your wife sets out. What do they tend to be? A little baby girl with little angel wings and look all sweet and all cute. And I will say, angels are nothing like that. Angels are nothing like that. Um, and we want to be careful and we want to be accurate to Scripture. And, and, and I understand the sentiment. You know, I understand the desire, but, um, but angels are not uh, babies who have died. They're not really, really sweet people who, who have died. They're not great pastors who have died and been bequeathed with, or I don't, is that even a word? Uh, it doesn't need to be a word. I just made it one. So put that in Wikipedia somewhere. Uh, who have been made because of the serving of God. You know, the pastor's been made an angel that watches over the church. Let me tell you what, you don't want me coming back and watching over you, okay? I want you to know you want a, you want a good angel <laughs> to come back. In fact, some of y'all, I might just show up in your nightmares and tell you what I really think. Um, and so... Uh, uh, you know, you know, so I want you don't enjoy that idea, but I want you to know nowhere in Scripture are we told that that dead humans become angels. Okay, sweet little children. Let me tell you what. Here's the beauty: is 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 when we die, if we are in the faith, we go straight to heaven. We don't stop at an intermediate state. Uh, we don't achieve that. Uh, and a couple of years ago. Uh, we were here, and uh, not our present children's pastor, uh, but we always do a Christmas story. Some of you may remember this. And uh, we were doing a Christmas story, and we always let our children's pastor uh, do the Christmas story. And uh, so he sits down and reads a Christmas story book, which is one of these, it's a sweet book, and I would encourage you to read it to your kids. It's a great book. But in a church, you don't do it, but it's about a child that has died and becomes an angel and got its wings. Okay, and you you hear that from time to time. Well, that's that's great if you want to read that to your kids. But as a church, when the church is packed, you don't need to read such a theologically inaccurate. That that children's pastor is no longer with us. Uh, he's alive. He's just no longer with us. Okay, but you know, and that's one of those things that that I had not previewed previewed the book. None of us had previewed the book. It was really acute, and probably I'm the only one in the room, or some of our staff are the only ones in the room going, no, 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 because we just, you know, we just taught everybody that, yeah, angels are babies who have died. That's not what it is. They were created. We don't necessarily know how many were created, but there were a fixed number that were created. They don't procreate like humans do. Humans were created with the ability to be fruitful and multiply, okay? So there was a created a certain number of angels. At a certain point, some of them made a choice to follow Satan. Most remained faithful to follow God. That's the same number. They're not out there multiplying. They're not becoming more. Angels are not, not dead humans, okay? Nor are angels enlightened humans, 
nor are they enlightened humans. As a matter of fact, if you, uh, uh, if you go back all the way into the New Testament, uh, you will see uh, Paul address some of this Gnostic teaching, the Greek word Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, the Greek word Gnosis, it is the Greek word for knowledge. There were a lot of people, there were a bunch of Greek philosophers around that tried to merge and to mix uh, Christianity uh, and philosophy and Greek philosophy. And what they thought was, is listen, you know, if, uh, if, if God is all spirit, right, and he's all good, and matter is evil, that's what we see here, then God couldn't have created the earth because you have an all good, and they would have thought this philosophically, Plato, uh, Aristotle, all of them believed that there was a spirit God who was all good, but they looked around and saw the evil in the world, and they said, well, if you have an all good spirit God, uh, he could not have directly created a world with evil in it, so they created these intermediaries. Does that make sense? That, that you have a level here and a level here and a level here, and so you can imagine if you, let me just put it to you in a scale. If you imagine a scale, God is 100% good and 100% God. And then if you have the world who has evil down here, that's clearly there's a little good, but there's a lot of evil. If God was 100% good, they would have an intermediary that somewhere here was 90% and somewhere here was 80%. Does that make sense? Getting less and less God and a little more prone to create an evil. And so somewhere way down here at the bottom of the pile, Right above the earth would be angels and stuff and, and these beings that would have created the world, but they were not powerful enough to create a world that was all good. Does that make sense? If you go to Colossians chapter 2, Paul talking about Jesus in Colossians 2 verse 9 as well as he also he says, all the fullness of deity dwelt in Christ in bodily form. What was he doing? He was hammering those Gnostics. Because what these Gnostics had done, they had created what they call a pleroma, a fullness, that from them and earth, there would be these little emanations going up to the one true God. And they thought mentally, philosophically, they could kind of um, do the Hindu reincarnation thing with their mind. And they could work their way up to eventually become one with God. All right? And so Paul rolls in, and so what was happening is the debate among the Gnostics is we're in those emanations on the scale from where we are in the world, humans, and where God is. Where do you put Jesus? And they would fight over it. And they would say, well, we're going to put him a little below the angels. Some would say, no, we're going to put him a little above the angels. And does that make sense? They would put him somewhere in the scale. So Paul rolls into town and said, hey, knuckleheads, all the fullness of deity dwelt in him in bodily form. Boom. Game over. That was the ace of spades. Does that make sense? And so what, the angels are between us and God. They're above us, but they're not God. They're not moving up and down the scale, and we're not becoming angels on the scale. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So uh, let me give you another thought. Uh, Let's see, uh, who, who, uh, who created the angels? Well, uh, we're told in John chapter 1, verse 3, that everything that was created was created by Jesus. All right, Jesus created the angels uh, along with God just as he created everything else. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So what is it saying? That Jesus was there as creator with God, and he created everything. So Jesus 
co-created and created all the angels. Uh, what does it say in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16? It says, For in Him, talking about Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, both visible and invisible. Now, here's where you get the angels. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. So Jesus created the angels, all right, including, uh, including all the different um, angels are not to be worshipped. At no point in Scripture are we told to worship angels, none, none. And that's kind of what the Greek philosophers were saying, hey, uh, this angel, and they would start naming angels, they'd identify the angels. And guess what? Uh, interestingly enough, the Greek philosophers, when they started naming these different levels of angels, the name sounded a lot like the multiplicity of the false Greek gods. Can you imagine that? So they would say, we need to pray if you, if you need water on your crops. You need to pray to the angel. What are they trying to do? They're trying to merge Christianity and Greek philosophy. Don't we do that a lot? I mean, we see that a lot today. I mean, we see that a lot today. So they tried to merge kind of their Christianity, their Greek philosophy. And they would say, if you, need, if you need water on your crops, pray to this angel. If you need something, pray to this angel. If you want to get more spiritual, pray to this angel. Does that make sense? We're never told to worship angel. anywhere angels, anywhere, anywhere in Scripture. Um, notice this. Angels are not to be worshipped. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility... And the worship of angels disqualify you. Don't let anybody who teaches and talks about the worships of angels disqualify you. So if someone shows up ever and begins to teach on angels, if me or somebody else begins to teach on angels and talk about angels and how we should worship angels and we should pray to angels, you go right to Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 and say, uh-uh. Paul dealing with the Greek philosophers when they were saying we need to worship this angel and worship this angel and worship this angel. Uh, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 18, don't do it. That will disqualify you. He says such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. What is he saying? They were showing, rolling in there saying, I've seen a vision. So I always want to be careful, and I want to encourage you with this. If you are following a teacher or listening to a teacher, and say, and they talk about the vision they had or the special knowledge they have. I want you to know, we have two things that you can check that. And we can always check what they said. We already have Jesus, and we have God's Word. So if someone comes to you and says they have a special word from God, and they said, God said X, you go test it right here in God's Word. And if it does not agree with God's Word, I will guarantee you it wasn't God that gave them that Word. Does that make sense? So we always want to make sure, and they may come in, and notice this, they may come in with a false humility. Very rarely do they roll in with the Rolls Royce. They get the Rolls Royce out of you later. What do they do? They come in humble, sweet, loving, and, you know, I just got a word from God. You know, you got a word from God, man. Here is the word of God. And so, so don't let someone's personality, don't even let, it, let the fact that they look sincere. You know what? Some people may have thought they, they heard that we're, you know, a special celestial nature of angels. What does Scripture say? What does Scripture say? All right. Uh, Jesus is superior to all the angels. Okay. 
The angels are above us, but Jesus is above the angels. Hebrews chapter 1. All right, you can just go read all of Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, let, me, uh, let me tell you a little bit. So, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? What is, what is God saying through Hebrews chapter 1? He's basically saying, listen, God never said to the angels, you're my son. In other words, what is he saying? Jesus is superior to the angels. He goes on and he says, uh, you're my son, for today I have become your father, or I will be your father and you will be my son again. When did God, uh, uh, when God brings his firstborn into the world, uh, he says, let the angels worship him. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. So who do the angels worship? They worship Jesus, all right? Who was created above the angels? Jesus. If you want to go through, there was, man, there, there was a lot of talk among the Hebrews and the Greeks as they were merging their theology to the book of Hebrews, so much so that in Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of the book of Hebrews just hammers the idea of angels. Angels are greater than us, but they are less than Jesus. They are created by Christ for the purpose of fulfilling God's purpose in this world and worshiping Jesus, okay? So angels are not to be worshipped. They are to worship Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, Therefore God highly exalted Jesus uh, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above name of Jesus, that uh, the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Who, do who, do angels, who are angels created to worship? Jesus. All right? Jesus doesn't worship the angels. Angels are not equal to Jesus. Jesus is God. The angels are not. Jesus created the angels. All right, here's what we'll close with. All right? The three angels that are talked about in Scripture, uh, you'll probably know these names, uh, but uh, two of them are good, one of them not so good. Uh, one is Michael. Uh, you've heard of the angel Michael. He's mentioned in the Old Testament. Michael is considered what we call an archangel. All right. If you think of uh, Michael, he's probably he's not the only archangel. We because we're told there is a there's a heavenly host along with Michael. So they're the archangels. What are their jobs? They are. If you look in Scripture, they are def the defenders of Israel. They are the defenders that when when is Israel needs to be protected, God says, Michael, arm the boys. Does that make sense? Arm the boils. You see them used uh, throughout the Old Testament. You see them in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 12, uh, Jude. Uh, uh, you'll see them in the Jude chapter 9. Then when you come back in the tribulation and revelation, and they're talking about those years when the church has been raptured up and Israel is, is still here, the remnant is still here. Guess who shows back up on the scene? You saw him several times in the Old Testament protecting Israel. Michael, guess who shows up at Revelation 12? When the church is gone, we're in the middle of the tribulation, Michael shows back up. What is Michael doing? He's defending Israel. Does that make sense? So he's an archangel. You don't really see him in the New Testament. Okay, you don't see him because he, the archangels seem to be defenders of uh, Israel. The next one you see is Gabriel. How many of you have heard of Gabriel? All right. Uh, Gabriel seems to be a messenger angel. So he would have been the post office uh, of uh, or the news uh, director of God's plan. You see uh, Gabriel uh, also in Daniel's vision. When Daniel has his vision, when Daniel has his vision of the end times in Daniel chapter 12, Michael shows up. But you also see Gabriel. What's Gabriel talk to uh, Daniel about? He gives him God's plan and God's message. 
He's communicating the message. He would be the message of God. When we see um, Gabriel in Luke chapter 1, we're going to see him this week. Guess what he's doing? He's communicating. He's communicating to Zechariah. Then he communicates to Mary. Gabriel seems to be a messenger angel. Anytime Gabriel shows up, uh, he is communicating God's message. We'll see him in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 11 to 20. We'll see him in Luke chapter 1, a little later on, talking to Mary. All right. The third personality, specific angel. Uh, this is not the good one. His name is Lucifer. His name is Lucifer. You don't see a lot of kids named Lucifer, and for good reason. Just like we don't want to name our daughters, what, Bathsheba or Jezebel, all right? Don't do that. If you're going to have kids someday, don't name your son Lucifer. That's not good. Uh, they could, they, you know, through the Spirit of God, uh, if you've got a daughter, don't name her Bathsheba or, De or Jezebel. But um, Lucifer, also called Satan. I want you to know this because there are some people when they get in and they start talking about demonology and they want to name all the different demons and identify all the different demons. Let me just tell you, that's just good literature, okay? And that's someone trying to sell you a book. You know, they, they'll say there's a demon of illness and a demon of this. and demon. We're told in Scripture there are different spirits, okay? But we're not, not necessarily to identify them. There is nothing in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture does it really say that Lucifer and Satan are the same person. But there are a lot of verses that tell us the same thing that happened to Lucifer is probably what happened to Satan, so they probably are synonymous. Does that make sense? There's nothing that says Lucifer also called Satan or Satan also called Lucifer. Lucifer is identified. Then we see Satan identified later. If you match the stories up, you're like probably the same guy. Okay, probably the same guy. Um, so uh, anyway, those are the three things you need to know. You see Lucifer talked about in Isaiah 14. You see him uh, in Luke chapter 10. You see him in Ezekiel chapter 28. All right? So that's just the opening part of our study. They are created. They are not uh, dead humans. Uh, they are created to above us. They're above us, but below God. They're created to worship God. Three of them specifically are named throughout Scripture. There are many more. Some of them are fallen. Some of them are unfallen, okay? Uh, you can see one terminology for them, the sons of God. The sons of God, some of those are fallen, some of those are unfallen. The rest, heavenly host, when we see those, angels, those are all speaking of the unfallen angels. Does that make sense? Then when you see, as you're reading specifically through the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, what is that? Y'all remember? Jesus, yeah. That's the, that's the easy way to say it. Pre-incarnate Christ, it's Jesus, the angel of the Lord. When we get into the New Testament, you see the angel of the Lord, no definite article. That's just another messenger. You'll say the angels of the Lord or something like that, and, and it's, not, it's the singular angel of the Lord. That's a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these guys. Uh, let us leave here today with this knowledge, armed with this knowledge, that we just understand that uh, God, is, God is so infinitely more knowledgeable and powerful than we are. God, let us, uh, let us go and share uh, the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.